Well, it's good to be here. Thank you. Do we have any Ace fans? Let me just see across the room. Let's just close in prayer. Thank you, God, for today. No, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be, I'm actually an A's and Raiders fan, if there's any Raider folks here. I talked to a guy in the lobby, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, sir, uh, but we talked, we had this bonding moment because he was telling me about being an A's fan, and I said, you know, truth be told, I'm a Raiders fan too, and we were like, we were like instant brothers, right? Instant brotherhood. And what I realized around the Bay, you know, you get this love-hate thing with the Raiders, and I realized for me, Loving the fact that I'm in the East Bay, a little bit East-ish Bay. Y'all are Raider folks, a lot of you. Um, That if Jesus were walking on the earth today, he'd be a Raider fan. And the Bible teaches us that. (laughs) It does. Because the Bible talks about Jesus coming to seek and save those who are lost. And if you've been to Raider Nation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's sinners, demon-possessed, tax collectors. They're all in the black hole, right? Like... Like, that's when you, even if you're not a Raider fan, you're like, now that makes total sense right there. That just really, he's, he's spot on, this guy. So anyway, yes, I, I work with A's and they are in first place. It's super fun to watch. And thank you for having me here. I wasn't sure I was going to be here this morning. Uh, not because, uh, you know, Larry didn't invite me and we didn't have this, you know, you know, confirmed on my calendar, but I got an email and I'll show it to you in just a second, but I got an email and uh, so on my property, I live out in Soquel Capitola area out near Santa Cruz. And I've got a 14-acre property. My family all lives there. My parents, my kids, and my grandkids. I have six grandkids, one on the way. And uh, so we all live together kind of uh, in this property thing. And I've got so much space that I created uh, a couple Airbnbs. I've got three Airbnbs going there. And uh, so we get the air. Does anybody have an Airbnb? Does anybody use Airbnb? So for us that host, we get these, we get, you'll get an email of somebody coming and going and, you know, people, you know, uh, you know, the interaction you have with the individuals that are coming to your property, to the Airbnb. And so I get an email just this last week and it looks like this. It says, Jesus arrives Friday, May 14th. And, and, and I'm like, and it, actually the top of it's cut off, but it just, it, the top of the email, the subject line was, Jesus is coming soon. And I'm like, whoa, I probably ought to read this. <laughs> and then I saw that he's coming on May 14th. I'm like, shoot, because I'm speaking like that weekend, like that'll be problematic if I'm not there or if I am there, then it's really problematic if Jesus came and I'm like, oh, I'm still here. I hope he's going in alphabetical order as he takes us into heaven. So my last name starts with a T. But I love, the line, I love this line right here. If you haven't already, reach out to Jesus, send him directions, and coordinate a check-in time. I thought, how often do you get an email like that? I thought that was pretty fun. Anyway, I'm glad to be here, and that's not why we're here, but it was a fun little thing. So the theme of this series, Embracing the New, as Pastor Larry was sharing, it's a series around, the, really, the science of semiotics, which is the study of signs and symbols and their meaning. What you experience in this world, how you experience it, and what they mean. So coming out of COVID, the church needs to see and embrace the new. Do you know know how good it feels for somebody who has watched church online for so many times to come up here to a church service like this? It was worth the hour and a half drive, just that alone, to worship together and worship with a band that just sounds like Coldplay. I mean, it was just awesome, right? You guys... You guys put fog machines on, and it smells like popcorn, and you're like, this is great. But there's something about that when you come out of that. 
uh, coming out of COVID. Church needs to embrace the new and to see the signs and symbolic things that have new meaning for us. Ironically, some of the new has actually been here all along, but we just need to experience it in a new way and take it in through our senses. Let me give you an example of uh, embracing the new through our senses. So my family, I have a family, uh, or family of six, I got four kids. And when my kids were little, we'd go to the mall. And one of the things, I, I went there one time to a store called the Sweet Factory. Have you ever been to the Sweet Factory? You know what I'm talking about? They give you these bags, and then you go in, and you shovel in what you want. And then they weigh it out, and then you realize, whoa, I put way too much candy in this bag. Super expensive. So I did it one time with my kids. They all got their own bag. Two things happened. One, it was too, spe- too expensive. The second thing that happened, was they just sat in a corner and just did this and just ate this candy. And I'm like, like a good parent would say, did you even taste it? And they're just shoveling it in their mouth and like hovering over like this. And so I thought, the next time I go to the sweet factory, I'm gonna change things up a little bit. Some pictures of the sweet factory here. I'm gonna change things up just a little bit for you to see, for, for my kids to experience. And I'm gonna call it experiencing candy. So I said, you get one piece that you get to choose that's for you, one piece. And then you get to pick one other candy you've never had before and you put six of those in your bag that you're gonna share with the rest of the family. And so each of them are gonna do that. Everybody's a family of six, so they're gonna get six pieces of candy plus their piece that they chose. So they have seven pieces of candy. That seems reasonable. And so we got to, they got their candy and then I said, okay, each person got to take out that one piece of candy and give it to each member of the family. And then we held the candy up. We smelled it. Put it in our mouth. And I said, then you close your eyes and tell me what you're experiencing. Now, at first they were like, Dad, this is weird. <laughs> but then after a while, all of a sudden, a candy begins to trigger a memory. It reminds you of something. And one of my kids says, I remember last summer when we were, because they had some sort of lemon drop, and we had the lemon tree and when we made all that lemonade. And it was so fun to be together. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And then the next kid did something, and the next kid did something. And every time we went to the mall, my kids kept saying, can we go experience candy? Now, I know I realize they want candy, but they, we played that game. And my kids are in their 30s now, and they talked about it. I told them I was doing this message. They said, are you going to tell them about experiencing candy? Because they still do it. Because it changed the trajectory. It actually took us to this place where I'm experiencing something, and it takes me somewhere. I took a bunch of college kids on a missions trip and we were going to Haiti, so we'd go across the country, and as we were flying, my wife had packed some candy, and so I was telling the students about this in our little portion of the plane. We had about 11 people with us, and so I'm passing out candies. I said, this is what we do. And so I had different candies, and we're trying it. Different people on the plane weren't even part of our group. They're like, they're like can we try this too? I had people on the plane crying. This reminds me of my mother who passed away last year. She's experiencing something completely different than just having a piece of candy. And it's interesting, within the semiotics of things, you can find and embrace something completely new. That's the irony of this whole piece, to experience something with your senses that's been there all along, but you experience it in a new way and you're embracing the new. And the senses, sight, taste, touch, sound, smell, are our God-given receptors to experience all things and discern new things. God gave us these receptors. Ironically, the receptor that's been covered for a year has been our nose. I mean, our mouths too, but your nose. It's been covered for a year 
when you think about that and think about what we have disconnected from. But in the Bible, there's a story, the story of Isaac, when Isaac is blessing Jacob rather than Esau, and nothing illustrates the culmination of all the senses at play and how the senses of smell is used in such a powerful way to change the trajectory of people's lives than this story here. You know the story, right? This is when uh, Isaac and Rebekah, they have twin sons, Esau first, then Jacob. Jacob steals his brother's birthright, and then he and his mother deceive Isaac to steal, blind Isaac, to steal um, the blessing that would normally go to the firstborn by putting on this charade and misleading the father. When you read the story, it's a perfect storm of all the five senses that come into play in the deception piece. I love this picture right here. Uh, it's a beautiful picture from a uh, 17th century Italian artist named Gioacchino Osoretto, and he was a Baroque-style painter. And while that doesn't necessarily depict ancient Near Eastern culture, I love how this picture plays itself out. Because you watch how all the five senses come into the storyline. First, in, it's in Genesis chapter 27. In verse 1, it says, for sight, sight is taken out of, is taken out of play. It says, his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. I love the picture here where it shows. If you look, if you zoom in on the picture, his eyes are closed as if I can't see, I can't see what's going on here. So, so sight is taken out of, out of play. Second is taste. So Esau is a hunter. And as a hunter who probably prepares some tasty feast for his father that he would love. And of course, on this occasion, would warrant a great meal. And so instead, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, it says in verse 14, it says, prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. So the food right there, prepared and ready to roll. But there's a catch. Uh, there's this catch, and the whole, the whole plot to deceive Isaac, Isaac is related to touch as well. And so you see the touch when it moves into this part. It says, my brother Esau is a hairy man. This is Isaac speaking, or I mean uh, Jacob speaking, and I have smooth skin. So in verse 16, he, she covers his hands with the smooth, and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. You see this in his hands. Sight, taste, touch. But how will they fool him with the sound of Isaac's voice? It's almost like, the, you know, they say, this is a great meal. And he says, thank, thank you. Thank you. You've got to change his voice a little bit. And I love this picture of the mom shushing him. It says this, Jacob went close to his father who touched him. And he says, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. As you see the mom going, don't say too much. And then still not convinced in the story, verse 24, he asked the question, are you really my son Esau? And then he gets to smell. And smell becomes this confirming piece. When Isaac caught the smell of the clothes... You look at this picture here. He blessed him. See the clothes. He, you can't see it right below, but his clothes were the clothes of a warrior, clothes of a, a hunter. And he's right under his father's nose, and he can smell it. He says, Rebecca, because it said earlier, Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and she put them on her younger son, Jacob. And even in his blessing, the confirmation the smell is in the blessing, where he says, ah, oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. Out of the five senses, the one that pushes him over the top is smell. 
Smell more than any other of the senses is a powerful, confirming, clarifying, emotion-evoking, it's a memory-jarring sense that God has given to us to connect us to the divine, to fully enjoy his creation, and to remind us of his goodness. And have you ever played that hypothetical game, like if I had to get rid of one of my, if I had to surrender one of my senses, which one would it be? And the first one, that, the one that never goes is our sight. But then you start to play out the other ones. Like losing sound, yeah, that would be a bummer because there's great music out there. Touch or taste has high values. But smell is often the underrated sense that I think is one of the most powerful and overlooked things that we have to experience God. Even at Jesus' birth, the three wise men, what'd they give? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Two of the three are aromatic gifts. Like when you think about it, Think about it this for a second. For the wise men, uh, they would have saved a lot of time traveling from the Far East if they had just given Jesus a monthly subscription to essential oils. <laughs> so Joseph and Mary, oh, doTERRA, I love this. I know what you ladies do. So when it comes to smell, think about it this way. Smell triggers Memory. Smell triggers memory. You guys have a Costco here, right? Costco in this area? You know Costco, like it's the only place where you can get 12 gallons of milk and a kayak? You know Costco, right? <laughs> if I blindfolded you and took you to a Costco, or an In-N-Out Burger, or a Starbucks, anywhere in the country, you'd be able to guess exactly where you are. And for, for, for women, I would include TG Maxx, Target, and Trader Joe's. In fact, I can, I can blindfold my wife and take her TJ Maxx and she'll know the difference between a TJ Maxx and a TJ Maxx homes good, home goods, you know what I mean? She'll be like, oh no, this is a home goods right here. She'll be like, take this, I gotta shop a little bit. You know, I gotta see what they got. But it triggers something, it triggers a memory. You remember, oh, I was here before. Smell triggers emotion. Smells can make you happy, like smelling a flower or going outside right after a rain. And you're like, this, it's, it's not just how it smells, it's how it makes you feel, right? It can make, a smell can make you happy, a smell can make you angry. Ever walk by a Yankee candle store? And you're like, whoa, I am angry, you've just assaulted my senses. <laughs> smell is always on. It's always on, you don't shut it off as other things where you can close your eyes or just, smell is always on. Have you ever woken up to the smell of bacon? You didn't taste it, you didn't see it, you didn't hear it, you didn't feel it, but all of a sudden you're like, whoa. It's always on. I read this study on the power of smell in a discovery journal where it said this. In 2014, studies showed that we can distinguish at least one trillion different odors, up from the previous estimates of a mere 10,000. And it says, awareness of our innate smelling abilities, however, is complicated because the human language doesn't have words for a trillion smells. And much of the smelling happens under the radar of our consciousness. Unlike our other senses, the olfactory nerves do not proceed directly to the brain's thalamus, the gateway to consciousness. Instead, information feeds from the nose to the cortical areas to arouse emotion and memories without our awareness. And when it comes to smells, People can be influenced and not even realize it. Thus, you coming in and wondering, why is my stomach growling? And people use it all the time. 
That's why there's phrases and idioms related to the power of smell that triggers other intuitions, like something smells fishy, or I smell trouble, or it comes up smelling like a rose, or the sweet smell of victory. Why is smell associated with these other things that are intuitive to where I'm listening and thinking? Why, am I, why do I feel this? Because it's going through an, a, a sense that you have that is far more powerful than just that smells good. It doesn't, smash, doesn't, doesn't pass the smell test, or it smells like a rat, stinks to high heaven, and my personal favorite, smells like somebody died in here. Smell is this incredibly, this is key now, incredibly powerful sense that God gives us to connect to the divine, to fully enjoy his creation, and to remind us of his goodness. Don't miss that, because it's been covered for a year. And all of a sudden, how do I begin to experience God and his goodness in my life? How do I connect to the divine? How do I see and embrace something new based on this sense that God has given me? Don't ever underestimate the smell, the aroma. In fact, smell is used throughout the whole Bible. I'll point out just five that st stood out to me as I was preparing this message. Smell is used as first a reminder of redemption. Throughout the whole Bible, it's a reminder of redemption. It says this in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, walk in love as Christ loved us and he gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. References the Old Testament sacrifice. Throughout the whole Old Testament, there are references again and again about the substitutionary sacrifice being offered up on the altar as an aroma that would please God. Throughout the whole Old Testament, that happens. And then we get to the New Testament. Jesus on the cross serves as that ultimate sacrifice of the sins of the world for our sins and referenced as that same fragrant offering to God on our behalf. And so when you read that about that, that's this act of, this is, a, this is an aroma that is pleasing to God. Reference a reminder of redemption. Smell also is used as a reflection of character in the Bible. I love this in the book of Song of, Song of Solomon. It says this, the first three verses, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine, because the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is like ointment poured forth. When they reference name, they're talking about character, and your character is something, like as they go through all this love language throughout all of Song of Solomon, the first thing they talk about that attracts them to one another isn't how they look, isn't about the sensuality, isn't about all these other things. It's about the character that draws me to you. Your character. And character is something, you know when you, you work with somebody you're like, that guy has a good reputation. He's not even there and his character has preceded him. It's like a fragrance, like when you, you, you smell somebody before they even get there. And after they leave, the fragrance is still there. That's good and bad character. You ever get in an elevator when somebody like, like, there's some bad character in here. I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? And character reflects that. Aroma of your character. Reference of character. Reflection of character. Smells also in the use, is in the Bible as a representation of generosity. A representation of generosity. It says this in Philippians chapter 4. It says, I have received full payment. This is Paul now speaking. I received full payment and more. And I have well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent. What does he say? A fragrant offering, 
a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Our generosity, our hospitality, our ability to give of ourselves is an aroma. You know when you meet somebody that's super generous? Like, and and, and not, not like, or, or you know somebody that's super generous and you're like, generosity exudes him like an aroma does. Generosity. Another way it's, it's represented. Smell is used as a reference to worship. As a reference to worship. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, this is that famous passage, I, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, going back to that sacrificial, sacrificial idea, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, not an animal sacrifice, but crawling up on that altar to say, in my living in Christ, I am offering myself to you as a living sacrifice. And he says this, holy and pleasing to God, that's your true and proper worship. That our worship is a reference, reference through aroma. Ironically, worship isn't just sound. And oftentimes people think worship is what I do on Sunday morning when the band's up here. It's not just the sound, it's the smell. Singing is one of the many expressions of worship that collectively reflects the heart, which becomes this aroma that is offered up to God. Because if worship, if, 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 if the aroma of worship, like the music and how good it is, is the only thing that's acceptable, then really the only people that are acceptable to God are these, ones, these guys that played this morning, because I'm not that good of a singer. So it can't be that. It has to be the collective. The other thing, smell is also used as a revelation of the gospel. It's a revelation of the gospel. It says this in 2 Corinthians, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal profession through us, through us people here, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That closely tied to redemption but the gospel as it's present, pre- uh, presented to the world and the community and those around us becomes this fragrant expression, the fragrance of the knowledge of him that would spread everywhere. Those are just five that just stood out to me that I wanted to share with you. So aroma, aroma being uh, this powerful uh, in our human state, in such a val- valuable sense that God uses to connect and bless mankind throughout history. My question in the process of just putting this together and l- listening to the sermons before and thinking, how can I challenge you? Is we're, how can we leverage the power of scent and the gift of aroma, the dynamic of our ability to smell and the power that it possesses to live more like Jesus and to experience the divine? How do we do that? So I have five things. So if you've got some paper, why don't you write these things down because these are my action items for you today. I'll call it the spiritual aromatherapy. First is this. Write down correlations to the divine. Correlations to the divine. And what I'm saying there is to make a random connection to the divine through a scent. Take something that is ritually mundane in your life that has a scent and connect it to something transformative. So let me, let me just make it super simple. How many in the room had coffee this morning? Just raise your hand. Let's see all the addicts here. Okay. I had three cups. So I'm thinking, what if we 
if we were to take coffee and connect that and that scent, you know when you walk and you just, like a fresh ground and you grind it and you smell it like that and it smells, oh my gosh, it smells so good. Or take something like that, but take that and connect it to the holiness of God. And you do it again for a week and again, next, you get it uh, next day and the next day and every time you have coffee, you discipline yourself to connect it to something that is transformative, a mundane smell that rather than just being, I love the smell of coffee, I love the smell of coffee because it reminds me of the holiness of God. It's whatever you want to make it out to be, but the holiness of God, that seems like a good one. Or whatever it is. The other one, uh, freshly toasted bread. You know when somebody toasts bread, especially if it's sourdough? Holy smokes, how awesome is that? That smell just goes in the house. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's like they're baking bread again. What if freshly toasted bread was connected to the power of the resurrection? You know, toast pops up, resurrected. You know what I mean? Like something, like just make the connection. I don't care, but don't worry about that. I just thought of that. My trigger of first thought wrong wasn't working. So uh, usually I don't say that. But anyway, uh, I don't want to downplay the resurrection. I'm just saying, take a mundane scent that you have on occasion and connect it to something transformative. And use that scent to remind us of the work of God in our lives. That's the first thing, correlations to the divine. Second is this, reminders, write this down, reminders of blessing. Reminders of blessing. So like the smells in the morning, like so I, I live out in the country, um, like in the, in the forest area overlooking the ocean. And when I come out, it's either a fog layer or you know, the sun shining, whatever else, and we have the, just different scents and smells that are going on. And so in the morning, I'll walk out. And you know when you walk out, I'm reminded, I'll walk out on my balcony, and I'll, I'm, I'm reminded, and I'll say this, and I'll just put my hands out. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Reminders of the blessing. You know what that is? It's like, whatever was going on yesterday ain't happening today, because his mercies are new. He's the one that matters. Let's take that in in the morning. Reminders of his blessing. So correlations to the divine, reminders of the blessing. The next one, I call it prompts for soul care. Prompts for soul care. Soul care. Make sensory association to spiritual practice. Now, not, this is different than correlation to the divine. That's just like take a mundane thing and connect it. This one is doing something that is... Uh, ongoing thing. It can be a candle during dinner and you light it for a reason. And you say, we light this candle because of. It doesn't have to be Advent. It doesn't have to be anything else. It can be just your own personal act of soul care that says, you know what, this is what this is and this is why. Uh, it could take, uh, you smell, f like for me, one of the things I do, I started doing, the, I, I have, I'll have a meal. My wife's a phenomenal cook and I have a meal and when we're praying, I bow my head, not out of reverence, I bow my head to get the nose closer to the food. <laughs> just being very honest, I have a hard time closing my eyes, and I'm like, and I'm just, and I just pause for a moment, because my wife has taken something and co-created with the divine something that is unbelievable, and I just take that in. And that becomes this soul care that reminds me, and something about eating and caring for your soul, really, they, they go well together the sensory association to a spiritual practice. The, the, the next one, 
is connections with creation. Very similar to reminders of blessing, but the reminders of blessing is that, oh yeah, this reminds me of how God, God is good to me. But the connections with creation, the smells of nature that connect you to beauty, don't hesitate to stop and smell something. When you think about how God designed things, like a pine tree, you think he just designed the pine tree? There's a smell that's associated with the pine tree. He did that purposely. And who are we to miss it? So when you stop and smell something, it was designed for the beauty as a reflection of what God's doing for you to enjoy and to give glory to God. And the smell and the fragrance that comes from it is part of the beauty. So connections with the creation. God created it with a distinct scent. Why? For us to experience and enjoy. And don't miss it. That phrase, stop and smell the roses, make that a spiritual practice. And the last one is triggers to action. Triggers to action. And it's this, make make a sensory association that triggers you to do something. A sensory association that triggers you to go, I smell this, I need to go do this, I need to think this, I need to pray this. In my home, um, we have star jasmine right outside of our door. And uh, the scent, when you walk in, it reminds me of when I walk in. I'm like, oh man, the scent is so beautiful. God, thank you. Thank you for my house. Bless my house and bless my family in my house. It's a trigger to an action. I mentioned mentioned Costco before. Um, when, When we first moved here, Costco does have a, am I right? Costco has a distinct scent, right? You can totally smell it. Like when you go in there, it smells a certain way. I go to Costco. We love, I love going to Costco all the time. Now I'll tell you the story about trigger to action. So I go to Costco with my family when I moved here from Southern California in 1996. And we find our Costco and we go there and whatever else. And we're a family of six. So when we started, we had a cart. We moved to a flat. Then we were a cart and a flat. And when you go and you're shopping, you realize, I gotta navigate, you know, when you're checking out, I gotta navigate a cart and a flat. And so I get in a line and we're, we're all ready to go. And I notice the other lines are moving and my line isn't moving. And I'm getting super annoyed because I got things to do, I got places to go, I got people to see. And I look up above and I'm like, what the heck? And, I'm, and I can't navigate my cart and a flat to another thing, so I'm just like, just annoyed. We finally get to the front of the line And it's this girl, her name is Natalie. It's her first day as a checker. And she's super slow. And she knows she's slow. And she says to me, she looks at us, and I could tell she feels embarrassed about it. And she goes, it's my first day. And I'm like, we know. (laughs) And then something happens. And something triggers inside of me that I'm like, it's her, it's her first day. Let's, let's bless her. Let's encourage her. And I, and I looked at my wife and I thought, you know what? Why am I giving this girl, why am I giving her this annoyance, this vibe she feels from me? Let's bless her. Let's encourage her. So I said to my wife, I said, you know what? Listen. At first I said to Natalie, I said, um, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. And she goes, really? And my wife goes, really? You know, like that. I said, yeah, and I look at my wife and said, oh, listen, every time we come to Costco, we're going to get in Natalie's line. And, and my wife goes, you realize she's slow. I said, it's perfect. It'll give us a chance to get to know her. And so every time we come to Costco, we get in Natalie's line. We, it's really easy to, to identify. It's a long one. So, 
And I figure when I get to the front of the line, it's my turn now. So I'm going to take my time because I've been waiting for all these people in front of me. And so I get up there and I ask her a question. How's it going? Remember us? And we talk and hug, high five, whatever else. And for the next however many years, she still works there, we always get in Natalie's line. One time we get in line to, to pick up a story where we left off. We go back in a couple of weeks or however what our rhythm of Costco is. And we see Natalie. We talk to her. Hi, how's it going? She finds out. She knows I'm a pastor. And we talk about different things. One time we got in line. And I see her. We're in the back. We're waving. And she goes like this. She got engaged. She's super excited to tell me. I got engaged. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then she, she says, we want you to do our, our, our wedding. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'd be honored to do that. And it was, it was coming down, you know, it was like, you know, eight months or nine months later, so it wasn't anything we had to do counseling right there in line, you know, so we're just talking about stuff. <laughs> and then another time we go and we get in line, I see her and I could tell she's just super bummed. By the time I get up there, I said, well, are you okay? What's going on? She says, my, my mother-in-law-to-be doesn't want you to do the wedding. So why? What, what happened? She said, well, she doesn't want a, you know, a pastor from Costco to do the wedding. <laughs> I'm like, I don't work here. <laughs> like, like Kirkland Seminary. Like I went to real seminary, right? Like I'm a real person. <laughs> Look me up online. I'm a, re- I'm a real deal, right? Turns out we were able to do the wedding and stuff like that. And it was super fun. My wife and I were able to meet with them, do counseling, and hang out. And then it was shortly after that, it was after they were married, they said, hey, we would like to come. Well, I, was at, I'm at a church, I was at a church at that time called Westgate, which is down in the South Bay, a lot like this, really cool church. And she said, we would like to come to your parish, I love that, parish for Christmas Eve services. Now, our Christmas Eve service is probably a lot like yours. It's like a Coldplay concert. She brought 11 people. They sat in the front row. And she's like, that was the most interesting Christmas Eve service at the parish I've ever been to. <laughs> now, she hasn't accepted Christ, but the story's being told. And the interaction in her life is happening because all of a sudden you take a moment and pause and you realize from that passage, we are Christ's ambassadors. If, as if God were pleading his case through us to be reconciled with him, that the next person I meet, oftentimes when I'm super annoyed... When God's going to shake things up and say, I've got something for you right here. So now, every time I go into Costco and I smell the smell of Costco, I am reminded I am Christ's ambassador. It is a trigger to action, to pray, to be mindful and keenly aware that this person here doesn't know Jesus. And what can I do? Introduce, have a conversation, be friendly, take my mask off and show them I'm smiling. Triggers to action. These things here. Correlations to the divine. Reminders of the blessing. Prompts to soul care. Connections with creation and God's created order for your purposes to enjoy. And trigger to action to let your scent be something that allows us to live and to love like Jesus. To respond like him. And to love God and to use our senses for him. You guys join me in prayer as we commit our this next portion to you. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be with my brothers and sisters here at Northgate and the work that you're doing in the area of Benicia. I pray a blessing over them and thank you for the opportunity to be here at this church and to share. I pray as we look forward 
to coming out of this crazy season that you'll use this time for us to slow down and leverage the senses that you've given us to experience you and to serve you in all things. I pray a blessing over our time. Thank you for this day in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.